Welcome back to The Siding Lab, where we give you an insight into the world of motorcycle racing. Now, on this week's episode, we have a guest joining us, and it's something a little bit different than what we've done before, but someone who we've been wanting to talk to for a little while, who does a job within the paddock that we've never spoken to before. So I'm just going to let him go ahead and introduce himself to the podcast. So go ahead, special guest, introduce yourself to everyone. So hi guys, uh, my name is Jamie Hollis. I run my media company, Jamie Hollis Media. I do mostly freelance work, but um, I'm mainly working in the motorsport industry at the moment. So I started out doing content creation, uh, photography and videography and stuff. And now I've gone more into media management side as that's opened up having a gap in the market is, you know, always been there. So I've just been trying to fill it basically. So the last few years have really changed my role and what I've been doing and focusing more on the media con- media management side. So photography. Yeah. I'm guessing that was the starting point. How did you kind of get into that? Was it something you always wanted to do? Yeah. So I've always been into motorsport for a start. Um, you know, my dad absolutely loved motorsport. When he was younger, he was in the Sun John ambulance. So he was always uh, Donington Park and my local tracks like marshalling um, in the, in, you know on down cranny curves and stuff picking up riders all the time and so he was always at meetings when I was growing up and then when I um, got to a certain age he took me down a few times and I remember just like going to pursue bike and I was like this is crazy you know one I got to see some guys you know pushing to the limit risking my lives really and then another part which I loved was actually going to going into the paddock and being able to speak to the riders, you know, and finding out who's who. And I I remember I remember a moment. I think it was my first meeting or or something. And I started speaking to this rider. Um, and we had a bright orange bike kind of thing. And he said like, "Watch out for me, whatever." Good, had a good conversation. And. I don't know who it was. I don't know what his name is. I don't know if he's still out there, but I remember just watching him on track and thinking like, God, you know, I spoke to this guy and I found it kind of crazy to make connections with riders and that. So as I grew older, I kept going to meetings, um, more and more meetings, mainly bridge suit bikes at my local track. So I'm Leicestershire based. So we've got Donington just around the corner and there's Cadwell, Alton. Um, but then one day I decided my sister's old camera she had a DSLR camera Nikon camera and I just thought let's try it out I've never really you know I don't have any knowledge of whatever whatsoever but this camera had an auto button which I could just press and it was pretty easy to take photos at the time and you know I'd go trackside and there's hundreds of photographers so I guess I just wanted to be one of them. Um, so I went to a few meetings, did a bit of photography, decided to make an Instagram account where I could post these photos. And then I noticed that, you know, a few riders here and there, a few riders were using them and stuff. So I was like, wow, this is like pretty cool. And every time a rider used a photo, it meant a lot, it meant a lot of the time. Um, so that was pretty good. And then, the problem was I didn't have connections to riders. Mm. I'd speak to them all online, message them all the time, but speaking to them in person, that was completely different. Um, so 
story actually so a few years not a few years ago when i i don't know when i was probably like 16 i don't know actually um sometimes to public you know um to go to a motor gp there and my dad went we just decided instead of going on holiday a family holiday let's go to motor gp you know it's, it's gonna be crazy it's always a good atmosphere in the Czech Republic. So we went there and in the same hotel as me was all the British Talent Cup riders. Um, and this was my first time like speaking to these riders and I was so nervous. You know, I never really spoke to any riders. And then I started speaking to one or two of them. I realized that one of them, his name is Harry Lee, he races in the Supersport Cup at the moment. He lives literally around the corner from me. Uh, he lives left away, so it's only like 20 minutes, 20 minutes away from me. So I kept in touch with him. And that was the first rider who I actually had a, a good relationship with. And we started doing content. And, you know, I was always around his awning in the paddock kind of thing, doing videos here and there. And, and that's when it, when it opened up for me kind of thing. Um, and it's funny because looking back at it now, all the riders who I saw... Um, hotel in the Czech Republic for riders who I'm working for now. So I'm working for Risa Owen at the moment, who's at the top of his game in the super sport class. And, you know, he was near the top of the talent cup at the time. And pretty crazy to think, you know, we're all young kind of thing, all a bit clueless, all just trying to find our own way in the world. And, you know, we've kind of built, built our lives together. Um, we've built ourselves and, you know, developed into more as adults kind of thing um so I find that pretty cool and pretty cool that I'm kind of the same age as these guys because I can identify with them you know I know what they want um I know that they just want stuff to be easy uh and we're on a similar wavelength in the ideas base so yeah that's a good yeah. yeah so obviously you've said that you started working in the British Superbike paddock but um was working like on your own as a freelancer how did you decide that that was something you wanted to do um so for the first few years of just doing photography I just did it for fun I just did it something to do something to fill my time at the racing um and then I've always just gone as a lone wolf kind of thing uh, I think the last few years has been amazing because my confidence levels have increased a lot and, you know, I'm able to speak to all these guys and all the people around the paddock, say photographers, videographers, whoever it is, you know, and get contacts and work that way. And I think in the future, I'd love to, uh, particularly next year, I'd love to branch out and work with people a lot more. Um, but I just went on my own way, I think. Um, at the time, a few years ago, when I started doing the social media stuff, I don't think there was many guys who were kind of doing that, marketing themselves as a freelance social media manager or a videographer kind of thing. Um, so I always wanted to be one step ahead of everyone. And I feel like I was successful in doing that. So before videography came big, I think I started that like it, a season before or something. So... I've just carried on grinding away and seeing what the audience wanted kind of thing and see what's successful, what's not, and what the, the riders want kind of thing. So, yeah, it's going pretty well. 
Um, we're slowly plugging away, but got some big plans for next year. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Can you tell us more about your big plans for next year, or is that top secret until until it comes out? No, I mean I've got a few got a few ideas. You know, I've kind of had ideas about different projects and stuff over the years, and I've always wrote them down, pushed them to the side. But I think this is the year where one can afford, particularly, to go to all these rounds and you know travel the world really. Um, for another year so I think I need to you know take a few risks in what I'm doing I've uh, got a few cool projects on at the moment on the a bit of editing um, I'm currently in the process of editing like a short film kind of thing uh, within the motorsport industry um, different things like that but I'll be speaking to a few people for next year and hopefully I can team up with some other guys to make to make what so I can work t- together with other people um, I can learn from them, they can learn from me kind of thing and, and hopefully we've got a good client base next year because I think this year I've had my dream client base really in the sense that I've been wor- working for most of my guys for a few years now and all of a sudden now it seems like they're all you know coming to the front, they're all achieving their goals kind of thing. So hopefully I can just carry on next year and my riders can continue their successes and, and carry on doing what I'm doing really. Yeah, definitely. So we saw that obviously, and you've just described it to us, that you help a lot of riders sort of with their social media and their content and a lot of things that they post um, on multiple different um, Instagram pages, etc. What is actually involved in that? Like, what do you do to help a rider out on their social media and their content creation as well? Mm, definitely. So... I think this is such an interesting question because I don't do the same thing for any riders. Yeah. All riders want, all riders have different needs kind of thing and my target is to meet them. Um, so at the start, I think I came in and said, right, this is the plan. This is what we're doing um, kind of thing. This is what you can get, what you can receive, what content you can get. And then I slowly realized like, damn, these guys aren't the same. They don't work the same. They don't want the same stuff, but interested in different things. They need to target different audiences. So I think the main thing which I'm focusing on on the content creation side over the last few years is getting content of riders off the racetrack, in the paddock, in the pit lane. I think this has always been a target of mine because not many people are doing it. And I've found particularly over recent years as, you know, money's come over an issue riders need sponsors and how can a sponsor see the brand of a rider see what a rider acts like just see the rider's face kind of thing if the rider is only putting on stuff on track stuff out to the audiences so i've been trying to sell riders faces really sell how they speak sell how they act so that's a key thing which I like to create content of because there's so many photographers out on track and um, a few of my riders work with photographers. So we get the on-track pics and, and that all sorted. But I try and get the, the behind the scenes stuff, you know, the things which people don't see on TV um, kind of thing. So that's on the content side. Um, and then on the social media management side, a big one is like Facebook, putting out reports from each race, um, 
doing like a poster for each session and how riders doing and getting quotes across so you can you know inform the audience of the riders emotions and how they feel their day is going and all of that side of it um but also like obviously instagram riders love content for them but we find on instagram i find if i'm managing a rider's instagram they only want i know a few posts a week at a maximum so the main focus is on the facebook at the moment yeah uh, to be fair that's where my dad gets all his information <laughs> he'll be mm. like did you see this on facebook exactly and i think <laughs> facebook's such like i think when i've been growing up i've not really paid much attention to it you know yeah facebook you think middle age people are just mm. scrolling through facebook you know and they've got a few minutes spare but i think with riders most of their sponsors are on facebook mm. and a lot of their their entire audience majority of their audience are going to be on facebook see like the middle-aged guys from back home are they going to be on instagram probably not whereas on facebook a majority of them are on facebook and they can easily interact with a rider and i think that's why a lot of my riders this year you know their facebooks are going quite successful and we're getting a lot of high level interactions on posts I'm really happy with the following which the accounts have kind of thing so I think that's all down to how I've learned about Facebook and how important it is as a platform kind of thing and and what I need to produce to target the audiences yeah definitely and I suppose you've touched on that a little bit but why do you think a rider being aware of their online presence is important like obviously sponsors is a massive thing but like, why do riders need to put themselves out there a bit more? Why do riders need to put them out more? But that's a good question. I think you said about sponsors, it's important. Every rider needs sponsors. Majority of riders in British Superbikes right now needs sponsors. It's a it's a tough world at the moment, and and that's a key key part of it. But obviously, you know, down from friends and family want to keep engaged with it it's all about looking to the future can riders i don't know sell something to um potential fans if we grow a fan base kind of thing we're going to have more likes more interactions in the future the brand of a rider can increase they make more sales on across different platforms kind of thing um and at the end of the day you want the biggest audience possible um you want you know you in the future, you want your riders' merchandise to be on as many heads and bodies as possible. Um, so I think that's the, the main goal, and that's why I'm trying to grow an audience. Um, but there's that's one thing. And another thing you've got to look at is where your audiences are actually from, because I work with a Dutch rider called Jamie Medsikris, who racing super sport and he he came to the super sport class a few years ago he came from world super sport and his audience were majority dutch um because he's from the netherlands and then he had a lot of fans who are worldwide uh you look in asia and, and some countries who are really passionate about the motorsport and he had a lot of fans from different countries across the world but he didn't have any many english fans so we didn't want him to you know turn up on a race weekend 
you know, post on social media and the English fans don't know who he is. We wanted to get his name across to the fans before the commentators did that job for us. Because mm-hmm. um, we knew it was going to be a few years before he was hitting his targets kind of thing, as he didn't have a track, so it was a very different style of riding kind of thing. So we wanted to just make sure people knew that this guy was on the scene and this guy is going to be big in a few years. And that's certainly what we've done. And and look at him now, I think majority of people who attend BSB's kind of thing have heard his name around. So we've pretty much achieved the, tar- the target, especially as, you know, he's had more to shout about over the last few years. So I think that's a, the key the key thing of actually targeting an audience from the right countries kind of thing and getting a an international audience at the same time and keeping everyone engaged. I think that's key. Yeah. So you've touched on the fact that you work predominantly in BSB. What's it like working within the BSB paddock? Mm, that's a good question. I think the British Superbike paddock is a lot bigger than, you know, anyone thinks. I'm learning all the time about paddock. I'm learning all the time about different people inside the paddock, the relationships in the paddock. And it's a really interesting topic because the motorsport paddock is different depending on what your job is, who you are. You see majority of people, they sleep there, that's their home, that's their life, that's who their friends are and all that. And some people just turn up, I don't know, in the morning, work for the day and then go home. So it's an interesting one. And I think even to this day, uh, I'm learning the paddock kind of thing and who I need to please in that sense. But yeah, I think it's a weird place and all the paddocks really are very different in the way that they're ran by the organisers. And But it's really interesting that the logistics and the chemistry between everyone in the paddock. So yeah. And, <laughs> and do you have an end goal um, where you would like to be in, let's say, five years' time, ten years' time? Mm, that, that's a good one. I always like to kind of plan this. Um, and I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember who it was. It was oh, it was Will I Am, I think. Oh, was said, it the diary of a CEO one with Will I, think, I Am? I think it was him. I think it was him, not 100%. But he says that he always wants to think about where he wants to be in 10 years and plan that ahead. And that's obviously not quite to 10 years, but that's what I've tried to do along the line and plan what I want to do next season quite early and plan where I want to be in the future. Um, there's actually quite a cool anecdote, which I really, which I like to share to people. I put it on my social media at the, the end of last year. And it was that at the end of college, so I finished college just over a year ago now, and we were given this letter, um, given this letter which we'd written to ourselves in year seven. And this letter was all about where I wanted to be, what I was doing at the time, all of that stuff, you know. And one of the lines in it said, I don't care what I'm doing, I just want to be in the motorcycle racing paddock. So oh. when I when I picked that up, you know, and they gave it to me on my last day of year, year 13, you know, pretty big smile on my face. And it made me realize like, if I just keep believing in, in what I'm doing kind of thing, I can get there. So 
in the future, mainly in the paddock kind of thing. Obviously, I could branch out and do, I don't know, different sports and that, but I think the paddock's my home right now. I think the paddock's where I've slowly started to fit in more and more. So ideally, I'd love to be in some kind of paddock um, in five or ten years and doing similar things which I'm doing at the moment, but instead I'd love to work for, say, a particular team and control their medias or a particular rider and, you know, keep it very niche in that sense and stick to my my guns kind of thing. Um, I think there's so many places which and I could say I could want to be, but I think I need to focus on targets which are realistic at the moment and just staying in the paddock, I think, whilst being able to afford to stay in the paddock and travel travel around the country and that, um, I think that's that's keeping me. Um, what does your usual re- race weekend look like at like okay. BSB? Yeah, definitely. So this is, everyone's race weekends are so different to each other. I looked on Facebook today and so it's Wednesday today when we're filming this and we've got Fruxton, round seven at Fruxton coming up this weekend. And I'm seeing, you know, posts about people arriving today and yesterday to a race meeting. This is pretty crazy to me. It's pretty crazy. But so I arrived trackside on Thursday. I normally like to get there around lunchtime, depending on what time, uh, how long it takes to get there. So on Thursday, I like to create a bit of content with riders, you know, see how riders are doing, check in with them. Um, it's a pretty chill day. And then, but I think it's also a key day. This is when riders have got time. This is when riders are pretty chilled out. So if I need to get any content, any videos, this is the day to do it kind of thing. Um, and then I go back, I stay, hotels, hostels, whatever, whatever's in the area. And then I wake up early on Friday morning and the weekend's begun. So I've got three days of chasing bikes around, chasing people around with my camera kind of thing. Um, so I'd work, I work for about riders in about half a session is currently in bridge suit bikes, if that makes sense. So, so it's pretty good because it means I can, I'm not, you know, I'm not packed out every day. I've got time to relax and, you know, go over my stuff, which I've done and there's no need to rush anything. So from around nine, which the session starts at till five or six, so producing content, editing a bit of content, posting content over and over again kind of thing. And, and that carries on. And then on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, Sunday, it's all about the races. So it's chill, pretty chilled out. I like to watch the races on, on the TV, really, at the circuit, just so I can see what's going on kind of thing. And then if the riders on my podium after, I need to get to the podium. I want to get some videos on my phone, get a few photos, whatever just to promote their successes. Um, and then I finish up Sunday, Sunday evening, make the drive home, do a bit of work in the evening on Sunday night, but I'm probably knackered by this time. I get a bit tired very easily. And then on Monday, carry on editing, takes a few days and then start distribu- distributing content during the week and getting posts scheduled in for the riders and for the teams. So that's my 
that's my layout of a race week 10 kind of thing yeah definitely um so you mentioned sort of like the finance side of it and obviously you're like oh you know we'll see how many circuits we can get to and how many races etc we can go to is it difficult to jump to so many races in a year not only are you following the bsb races but obviously we've seen you at moto gp etc this year as well like how do you manage yourself financially if that makes sense yeah definitely this is it's an interesting one i think i've been blessed really because i i made quite well not quite a lot of money but I made a bit of money when I was growing up just to carry carry me on kind of thing a few pennies here and there um so that allowed me to start off and start coming to races by myself um and I was also very blessed but my dad loves bikes so if I'm traveling to a circuit we'll split fuel or if we're staying over overnight we'll stick uh we'll split hotel costs but I think people don't appreciate how much goes into it I can't you know I can't get a job on the side because I can't work for half a week every other week so it takes up a lot more time than people think I have to travel to the circuits I have to pay for a hotel and the weekend so my costs are a lot more than people would think kind of thing um so I think people just need to need to understand that and obviously over years I've I've got more and more income, but yeah, but that's only for pretty much half a year. Yeah, and I'm still not making a lot now. But am I doing what I'm lo- what I love? Yeah, so I can't really complain about that side of it. I'm still living at home with my parents, so there's not a huge amount of stress on me to to earn a lot of money right now. But I think as the years go on, I need to stop really doing stuff I enjoy and maybe stick to the book kind of thing and follow the rules a bit more. Um, and that will maybe make, earn me a bit more money, but it's all good at the moment, but we'll see in the future. Hopefully I can pick up a bit more more money next year and stuff and see how it goes kind of thing. But I'm chilled out. I'm pretty chilled out with it and it's, it's okay at the moment. Yeah. No, you said it yourself. What's the point in doing it if you're not having fun? So who cares what yeah. money you're making? So. Exactly. And I think that's, that's something I've always said to myself. I said, I've always said since a young age, I don't care money I earn. I just want enough money to, you know, to live my life kind of thing and yeah. to be able to afford to live the life I want to live um, and actually do stuff which I enjoy because if it, I think it's going to be a tough time if I ever have to switch to like a nine to five office job or something like that because I've been brought up being very lucky in the sense that I've been able to earn money through something I love like not many people can say this and I think you know it took me time to appreciate that when that goes in you know you feel pretty good about yourself yeah um so um obviously I suppose media within the last decade has kind of shifted from online writing to a lot more kind of social media uh, interaction um so how important would you say the growth is of content creators and, and and social media interaction yeah i think it's vital i think all the social media side is so important nowadays but also you can't forget 
you know, the actual online side, stuff like websites, some more traditional media bases. So even stuff like newspapers, I don't see any any uh, reason to turn your back on on the more traditional methods of media. Um, you know, riders, I see riders, particularly in Ireland kind of thing, getting in a lot, in a lot of newspapers. This, this targets so many people in my local area, and this is so important. But then on the other side, you're doing posts on social media, that's also um, equally important. So I think the the pressures of riders and and teams really to invest in social media is just increasing over time, and and you can see more and more teams are putting putting more effort into it, put, putting more money into it, as as you know, as social media grows, kind of thing. And I think it's it's going to be a long time until social media starts starts decreasing its audience. Um, so there's no reason why not to kind of invest invest your time in it because it's not something which is going to die out anytime soon. Would you say that um, having a balance of the two would kind of increase the variety of demographics that are kind of casting their eyes on the sport or the riders or? Mm, definitely. I think you've got to have a variety of of everything going out on your media side and and you can never forget about people you can't forget about you know how are people are going to rece- receive this news that's what you got to think about and have you forgot about any guys who who maybe won't be able to see it um i think it's particularly important to you know to carry on in this world where everyone just wants to see news quick they want to read i don't know one sentence they've read it they're happy next next thing I think it's still important to do, you know, press releases to target the people who get press releases sent to them. It's important to target, I don't know, people who are more invested in a rider, more invested and happy to spend time reading reading about stuff. So it's good to always get a quite a wide, wide range of content out. Yeah, obviously we've talked about how hard it is to get sponsorships. Um, and obviously it's very hard to like get into this sport as a whole. What do you think needs to happen to like make sure that we can get new and up and coming talent in the sport? Mm. Like thinking about it now, it's worrying times for sport. This is one of the most expensive sports in the world and it's the sport which is given the least coverage, I believe. You look on the news, Scott Ogden, say, qualified on the front row of the British Grand Prix, picked on the news in the evening, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing about it. So I think in the future, we are really, you know, relying, going to rely on, say, the big conglomerates, the big companies, looking at Dorna and people like that to to help the smaller guys out and help the smaller guys get their career started. I think in most industries, you always hear stories around the people who have made it, people at the top. You don't really hear stories about people who have, you know, lost all the money, the people who have not been able to carry on their, what they do kind of thing. Whereas in motorsport, we've seen people not being able to ride this year. We've seen people who've got to halfway point in the year and I had to say on social media, 
we can't afford it anymore. We can't carry on with what we're doing. Um, so I think in the future, we're maybe not many, not so many riders will be able to commit to full seasons and being able to commit to these different championships. But I think if riders keep doing what they're doing and earning a bit of money here and there, hopefully it will get them get them across the line kind of thing. Um, but, you know, riders have always got different different ways of making their own little money and stuff. If you're looking at a lot of riders do little clubs kind of thing. So I know Asher Durham's got Club 64 where, you know, for certain, for a few quid, you can join the club. You, you can get all of these different things. I know you can get a cab, you can get signed pictures, you can get race war memorabilia and all that stuff. So, and that's a majority of riders are doing that to get pick up a bit of spare change here and there. But hopefully, hopefully all, all the guys will be will be okay in the next few years when it comes to sponsors and be able to afford to carry on because there's some there's some skilled guys in the paddock and hopefully they can carry on chasing their dreams kind of thing. And to the point when their names are being picked up by world championship teams and and when people can start paying for their rides. Yeah, definitely. Moving on to um a slightly different topic. Obviously, you were at the British Grand Prix weekend just passed, and you were working alongside Two Wheels for Life. Um, and you did the the stuff with Donning uh, at Donington Park as well. Um, recently at the World Superbike Round, how did that all come about? How did um you manage to sort of land that role, working um sort of in producing content for them? Yeah, so Two Wheels for Life is an amazing charity. Um, their whole fundamental basis is to support and invest money in um, in giving bikes to people who are working healthcare in Africa, so that medicines and everything whatnot can be kind of transported around Africa. Because you know Africa doesn't have the infrastructure in the majority of the countries that you know we have, so. At a lot of places, you know, cars can't get around, so we have to rely on on motorbikes. So, it all started. I don't know when I was younger, and uh, I started doing a bit of photography for them. I I think I recall, and then and our relationship grew over time. And my dad's a a key fan of a charity kind of thing, so he actually paid for um when I was when we were at. Uh, I'm not sure where, where it was, but he actually paid for me for my birthday. I didn't know to go to the Czech Republic. That was the one for MotoGP. So we got a we got behind the scenes with a team and stuff, and and they gave me this amazing weekend. And my dad invested in it, kind of thing. And I think since then I've always keep kept in touch with the, the individuals within the charity, kind of thing. And I just want to help out, help out where possible. So if I can do photos and videos for, for them and carry on, you know, trying to grow the charity and grow the people who are aware of the charity. I'm more than happy to do so. And I think, you know, we've had a great year. They've had a great year with them, especially at World Super Bikes with the, the Two Wheels for Life content, which happened, which if you've not seen it, it was pretty crazy. Um, it's on all the Michael Hill social media platforms, the highlights are. So if you've not seen it, go and check it out. Um, but yeah, hopefully the charity can carry on doing what we're doing, and I can carry on supporting them by a bit of way possible, really. Yeah, 
I actually missed the bloody talent show at Donington. I was away home by that point and I'm raging and Harvey sent me so many clips of of them dancing, yeah. getting on. But it was yeah. pretty crazy. So if anyone's not not seen it, basically there was a literal talent show in the paddock at Donington Park. They had from riders, teams, commentators, whoever it was. They were singing, dancing, boogieing, doing whatever. And it was just amazing to see, you know, everyone from all around the world, you know, come together and just and just celebrate and just have a moment. You know, everyone's, I think, the paddock's, the paddock's a very stressful place for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have a lot of pressure on them. So it was so nice to see everyone relaxed and having a good time kind of thing. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. And I know, I know there's already plans to have a another one next year. So hopefully that goes ahead yeah Michael Hill is a a man of many talents and I remember speaking to him late last year and he'd already sort of let us in on some of his plans so I can only imagine that he has plans already for next year so yeah definitely exciting you've already talked about expenses and 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 cost of everything but Investing in good equipment and anything softwares. Um, obviously, I'm guessing you've dabbled in a lot of different uh, types of them. Um, what would you suggest to someone who wants to start off uh, taking photos or videos? Yeah, it's a cool one. It's an interesting one. It's an expensive one. Uh, you know, look at it. I wish I, I met. I wish I invested time in a cheaper hobby, going up kind of thing instead mm-hmm. of cameras and buying more camera equipment all the time because it's expensive it's definitely expensive and but it's exciting to see so many young people who want to get involved in photography and stuff and it's instead of I don't know doing different hobbies it's great that kids want to spend time taking photos so I'd say the key thing is just to get your hands on whatever you can get on the camera wise if you can afford a DSLR you know grab one um there's some quality ones on eBay for just a hundred quid or around that price and it may do a steady job. So I think the key is just grab what you can, even if it's a phone and start doing what you're passionate about. Film what film, I don't know, if you're interested in sports, film sports. If obviously if you love motorbikes, you know, get down to your local track and, and start making some content and start, you know, reaching out to people, putting your content out there, people like it, carrying what you're doing. If you, I know people will not like it so much, try different things. Um, so I'd say just keep, do what you can do with the budget you've got and and try new things all the time. Um, a key thing for any photographer or content creator is to do different things to everyone else. You know, there's so many photographers out there, especially at racetracks, getting the same shot over and over again. Just think how you can do it differently and how you can think outside the box kind of thing um, to produce, you know, fresh content, which people are going to engage and be interested by. Um, What do you think are the most important qualities someone needs to work in motorsport? Mm. I think this is something which, for me personally, I know motorsport and that's the you know, very basis. But I think for me, I've looked at it recently and thought 50% of what I do is my job in the sense that 50% of what I do is physically 
creating content, putting posts out, doing all of that stuff. I think there's a whole other side of it, which is all about my personality and how I speak to riders. And I think that's quite key for me. So looking at me as a, as a starter, I think what I'm quite good at in the quality sense is being able to identify with riders. I'm a VA, I'm a similar age to a lot of riders. So if I can, you know, be a friend to them and always be, be there for whatever we need kind of thing, I think that's useful. But in the, in the whole motorsport thing, I think you've got to be good at networking. You've got to be good at, you know, getting your name out there and having the, the confidence and the ability to kind of speak to people. But if you've not got that, it doesn't really matter. You can just get out there and, and do what you want to do and, and see where it takes you kind of thing. Um, you know, you could dive down into 101 qualities, which, which people need, but at the end of the day, you just need to have a smile and, and a passion for it. And then you're steady and you'll, you'll go well. So I think that's the most important thing is your personality and getting, getting that out there in the motorsport industry. Yeah. And keeping on the theme of advice, um, what do you feel is the easiest way for maybe young people or anyone wanting to connect with people who are already working in the sport? How can people sort of maybe go to a racetrack and how can people yeah. speak to other like-minded people? Yeah, I mean, to start, not everyone can get to racetracks all the time. Not everyone can, you know, has transport to get there. So I think we speak about it all the time. Social media is so important. You know, get on whatever platforms you're on. If it is LinkedIn, that's amazing. But if it's not, Facebook, Instagram, and, you know, message people. Say, like what someone does, say, tell them. You know, give people compliments. Um, I think it's so easy nowadays. We don't really appreciate how easy it is to get in touch with someone. We can get in touch with most people a few clicks of a button. So I think that's the the first way to, to improve your networking skills and stuff and just get in touch with people online and, and connect with people. But also the racetrack, you know, the, the amazing thing about a racetrack is everything's so confined. You know, if you want to find a rider, that 99% chance is going to be in my paddock. So go and put yourself out there, you know, take a few risks, speak to a few people and, and see how it goes and see if, you know, you get up, get on well with people and, you can find your family kind of thing in the BSB paddock or in the motorsport paddock in general. Yeah. And I suppose also touching on the advice, um, advice thing. Um, do you have any advice for people who want to become a, a photographer in motorsports? If you had to sum it up. Mm. Advice for photographers. I'd say create different content to everyone else. And just make sure to get your stuff out there as much as possible. Um, and if, you're, if your content's not really there right now, it doesn't matter. Keep trying to make changes all the time. Take risks. You know, see what works, see what doesn't work. And just it's all about putting yourself out there, really. And, you know, being willing to, to mess up, being willing to embarrass yourself. But do what you want to do kind of thing and do what makes you smile and and puts a, makes you happy kind of thing. Um, I think that's key and that's key for a lot of roles in the sports industry and 
I think I'm quite quite lucky in that sense that I'm doing what I love and but I don't I don't see I think to be good at a job you've got to like it you've got to have a passion for it so just do what you want to do and do what makes you happy kind of thing and that's the underlining advice I'd tell tell anyone yeah brilliant fantastic well that is all of our hard-hitting questions anyway and asking for advice and a bit of a chat and what you think we can do to sort of improve the the scene in, in motorsport and yeah but we like ending all of our interviews with quick fire questions no matter who it is that we chat to we like throwing people under the bus slightly and um, making them choose some some hard questions and some easy questions so yeah quick fire questions answer as fast as you can we might ask your opinion on some of them because some people have some funny answers for for some of them but we tried to make it a bit a bit of fun to, to end it That's off well, yeah something a bit different but anyway so what do you prefer a dry race or a wet race now this can be from a fan perspective you standing in a soggy racetrack watching it as a photographer what what do you think what's what's better oh damn i'd love to say a wet race i find it more exciting but you know silverstone on saturday recently <laughs> too good i was so I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, still wet race, wet race. Wet race. Fair enough. Harvey, um, I'm sure you have a similar <laughs> answer to that one. I was I, I was covered in club I was I was club I was covered in club corner. I think you best asked Carly about her experience. <laughs> I went home. <laughs> I went back to the Airbnb. My family, we were just like, it's too much. No way. On Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame them too bad. We were, they were nice and warm. <laughs> Okay, next one. Um, your favorite race class. My favorite class. Oh, oh my! This is tough. This is tough. At the moment, I love Junior Superstock. Unfortunately, it's going, but I love Junior Superstock at the moment because it's got a few riders in there, and it's it always makes for exciting race races. I think. Yeah. Okay. Sprint or main race in which you play? I don't know. At the start, I was like, I was a bit offy with the sprints and that, and thought it'd take value away from a main race. But oh, sprint race, sprint race. That's a surprise. I'm still a bit iffy with sprint races. Um... I'm iffy with them, but very exciting, aren't they? And if it's exciting yeah. racing, I can't argue with it. Yeah, fair enough. Do you prefer taking photos or do you prefer making videos? Oh, damn. Mm video videos i like to say really i think i think i mean yeah i think videos i think videos okay just made you question your whole life <laughs> what you do um favorite track this can either be from a experienced perspective or from a fan perspective watching on the telly favorite track oh, so look at the bsb tracks Donington for watching. Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, probably Cadwell for creative content and just, just overall. I've grown up around Donington, so I don't know. I'm just in love with the, the layout kind of thing, and especially Craney Curves and the speeds which riders hit down there. But Cadwell's so amazing; it's so exciting, and 
you know, every corner, you're pretty close to the action. So Liverpool really had well. And we're going there in a few weeks' time, I think. So it's eighth round of the championship. So should be good. I see. What about in, on the world stage? Do you have a favourite track outside of On the PSG? world? On the world stage? Mm, it's a toughie. It's a toughie. I used to... When I watch races in MotoGP, the track's all right. I don't know. I judge a track on the atmosphere. Mm. And, and, you know, what kind of racing it pulls out. Like, if it's exciting racing and that. So, I don't... It's a toughie. Magella used to be pretty good back in the day in the, on that sense, in the atmosphere side, but I don't know. There's not many, I don't think there's many stands, standouts to me. I think they're all pretty, pretty cool, um, yeah. to be fair. And recently I went to, um, I went to the Netherlands to Assen to MotoGP. I thought that was an amazing track. That was beautiful. It had a bit of a range of everything. It had fast flowing corners and, and you know, some tighter, hard breaking corners. So, yeah, like Aston a lot. Favourite These are hard. These are hard. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite rivalry on track, and that can be all time or current. Rivalry. Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to go for one which probably everyone goes for. I think Marcus versus Rossi. I kid you not. I think you're the first person to say that. Standpoint of my generation, I think my generation where I grew up, I've just been fascinated with it because, like, I don't know if you see my room that right now, but there's a lot of market stuff kicking about. So that's my that's the key one, and I love the. I think that's the one where I've been able to, you know, analyze what's been going on behind the scenes and and you know all the different moments between that rivalry and the and how it grew, kind of thing, and how the relationship changed over time. So yeah, I love iffy at times I didn't really like it but sometimes but you know always pulled out for exciting racing from a beside each other on track but sadly that's no longer but yeah I think that's my favorite is this mm-hmm. uh, is this quick five questions isn't it no you're fine this is what happens every time uh, okay. interesting that you say you're a Mark Marquez fan because I I supported Rossi during that yeah incident but it's like I don't know. Look at it now. Actually, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Everyone's lost his fans. I'm not going to say anything. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> I love... See if someone has a uh, different opinion to me. I'm like, hmm, well, what do you have yeah. to say about that? Um, I love a bit of Marcus. I love a bit of Marcus. You can't argue with him. This guy is... Guys, and I think he's been the best rider ever. You know, if he didn't get injured, hmm. he would have got a few more titles. And I, I don't want to say anything about the future, but... No, he's he's a great guy. He's a great personality. Yeah, definitely. Um, no, I, that's the thing. I fully respect Marquez these days. It's it's uh, you can't deny the talent. I have to say, but uh, what what are your views on? Um, do you know how Marquez gets a lot of hate? Yeah. What are your views on it? See, in twenty fifteen, we were an all out Rossi family growing up like all I can remember from being a child and watching motorbike racing is Valentino Rossi like full blown loved everything about him that's just what my mum and dad raised me on and then obviously Marquez came into the class and we were like oh this is great we we really like him and then the, the fallout happened and we were like we took Valentino's side 
whatever. Uh, uh, but now, now is the thing is, I don't think he warrants any of the hate that he gets these days. I think it was a funny soap opera drama in 2015, but now seeing all the hate he gets, it's just, it's not warranted. And like what he's been through and like the documentary you put out at the start of this year, like he he's shown now that he's human, which obviously he has been this whole time, but he was always this superhuman on track that I think people forgot mm. that there's a person under the helmet and as much as he probably likes to put it out there that it doesn't affect him or you know the injury hasn't affected him of course it has and mm. yeah seeing the human side of Mark Marquez in the last couple of years has really really made I think a lot of people change their opinions on him yeah definitely this is a really interesting thought I'm just thinking about it now but I've always felt sorry for Marquez all these different incidents and how a lot of people are against him you know people are booing him but I watched a documentary recently. I love I love a good old sports documentary. And it was about I don't really want to name because I don't know, it might be a bit embarrassing. But it showed them and how they got into a sport and how everyone hated them and how that hate was probably good for them because it sold it sold fights, it sold, you know, merch and it increased their views and whatever. So it's an interesting one. Maybe thinking about it now, it might have done Marcus some good, but he was involved with Rossi and stuff, and everyone knew him as the villain, and that might have been good for him in some some circumstances. But I think overall, it's been been bad for him. But an interesting thought to be fair. Yeah, I think at the time, I I don't know if he did play into the villain sort of arc that everyone put onto him, but I think a lot of people sort of view him as that, and I think it's just funny. Like you see him on track now, and he's. You know, if you see overtakes and stuff like that, like, I don't know. He's not the same Marquez as what he used to be, but he's definitely shown the more the more human side recently. But I think I think they both played into that battle knowing that they were going to cause chaos no matter what happened. I think they, they knew themselves what definitely. they were doing. If you like, if you think of a villain right now in your head, you think of Marquez. Marcus is the absolute opposite. He's got a massive smile on his face. Yeah, you know, exactly. Wants to make everyone happy. So it's a weird one. It's a weird and one. It's to think funny about. to think that because I think when you hear of a lot of fan interactions, etc., as well, I always go to say like Mark Marquez. The time I can't remember what circuit it was at, but he literally was stood with his shoes in his hands in the pouring rain, like water up to his ankles, signing merchandise for like kids mm. and all outside of circuit. So. Of course, he's not the villain that everyone makes him out to be, but I think people, people just like someone to hate on almost. You yeah. know, it the same happened with Jake Dixon at the weekend. You know, yeah. after his interview on TNT Sports, people just went, "Oh, he's just whining for the sake of whining." It's not really, not really the case. And you said about fan interactions. I think that's so interesting, particularly Marcus, because he'll sign every autograph. He'll literally go out his way make someone's day kind of thing and it's interesting to see how that's is he told to do that you know realistically does he want to do that um I mean that's an interesting thing behind it because you see some riders who just who don't really care and whatever but he's one of the ones who who loves it kind of thing um and on a side note in my uh, in my corner of the room right now there's a painting and it's got Marcus on the top and it's got Rossi on the bottom and I got it signed like just after, like around the time they were like big rivals kind of thing, a lot of controversy. And I was like so scared. I thought, I don't know, they weren't going to sign it or something. But I think <laughs> it's pretty special to have 
we're both together in a painting. Uh, that's what I've always wanted, kind of thing. So, on a yeah. side note, on a side note. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we've just completely hijacked this to the 2015 drama. Um, okay, get back to my questions. Here is where I am. Sorry, so, sorry, sorry. This is this should be a good one. If you could have dinner with three people of your choice, who would you pick? And it could be anyone, be... dead, alive, oh, damn. whatever. Is it anyone? Who would be your dinner party guests? Oh, damn, this is toughie. Like, around mood sport or anyone? Anyone. Who, who would you want to be sitting around the table with you? Give me, like, half an hour and I'll come back to you. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm going to be so boring. We, we spoke about Rossi the whole time. He's like, oh, nah. I think he's someone where you've been able to see, you know, this, this version of him on camera on TV all the time on cameras, you know, see all the moments, but it'd be pretty cool to have, a, like, a chilled-out conversation with Valentino. Um, that'd be pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, should we sit Marcus next to him? Maybe. <laughs> that could be interesting. Maybe across the table, anyway, mm. rather than beside each other. He might, he might think... kick the chair. <laughs> yeah. Think about it, if we have, like, myself with loads of, like, Italians, Italian food as well, or you can. I mean, dinner. I don't know what the dinner. I don't know what you're having for dinner, but can I choose the food as well, or is that <laughs> if you want? <laughs> no, no. Let's say, let's say Rossi Marquez, and oh, it's boring. I've literally just gone down and like the three most. I don't know. So I think he they're all just so fiery and so interesting characters. Oh, that'd be crazy. Yeah. I think that's who I'd go for. Um, oh, yeah. I've probably made myself look like a right old idiot, but yeah, <laughs> that's the answer. Um, Fair enough. Um, it doesn't have to be motorsport. It can be uh, anything else. But uh, who is your biggest sporting idol? My sporting idol? Or idol in general, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, give me, Give me a few minutes, I reckon. <laughs> My idol. I think when I was growing up, it was so easy to like put my name on a rider kind of thing and said, they're my inspiration growing up and I want to be like them. Um, but I look around me now and there's just so many guys who influence me on my day-to-day kind of thing and people I look up to for what they do. Um, sporting idol. What's funny, actually, just thinking about it now, I've always um, been into football and I support Leicester City and I'm actually going to a game tonight. But um they've got a striker called Jamie Vardy, he's pretty well known. And he was there's loads of stories about him, like he's not always been a good guy and I don't respect him for a lot of stuff he did. But he like he came from a bottom kind of thing and he didn't give up and you know, reading his book and seeing like the, the stories, the videos made on him. Um, you know, he was in the pits kind of thing and he dug himself out right from the bottom, right from when he was doing his sport kind of thing with a, a tag on his foot kind of thing, and he didn't give up. So I think that's a a key one or can shine a light on. Yeah. I feel like Vardy as well, he didn't really uh, leave his roots anyway. He kind of, he didn't go down the professional route. He kind of kept himself fairly unprofessional, even in the Premier mm-hmm. League. Definitely. And I think that's just like, People like that just really change the sport. I don't know, people who go down different routes and their stories get told, it it changes the trajectory of 
the sport kind of thing and a lot a lot more people can realize that they can trust in the process and, and what they're doing and and on a different note going back to motorsport I know Jane Dixon's been in the news a lot recently but I think seeing a guy who's come from BSB be successful in the world stage it makes people realize like in the BSB paddock that they're in the, they're in the right lane they can carry on doing what they're doing and you know have faith in the way that trusting in the process and that their, their line of their career path kind of thing is going to be successful. So it's an interesting one. And I think the whole, all the industries change as, I know, different names tell their stories and, and the career path they've been on, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, who would you want as your teammate in MotoGP and what bike would you be on? My teammate in MotoGP? God, I definitely wouldn't want Marquez. You would not be able to understand his data at, at all. A teammate in MotoGP, who's been pretty good over the years with like data and all that. Now nah, that's so that's so boring. Um, maybe we should just think about someone who's a good laugh and have few beers with. Uh, trying to stay really diplomatic. <laughs> Danny Pedroza is really good for developing developing a bike, isn't he? But is he going to have a good time with you all the time? Not sure. Uh, oh damn! Let's go, teammate. If we're just looking GP right now to make it more simple, it's pretty good to have like a a loud character, someone who's always there for a good time, about like Jack Miller or someone. But mm. I mean, I, I wouldn't complain if anyone was my teammate who's in GP right now. So. Okay, so we'll go with Jack Miller then? <laughs> I think so, in the end. I think so. Ten minutes later, yeah. Yeah. And what bike would you want to be on? What would be the... Is that a question? Yeah. <laughs> Ducati, Ducati, Ducati. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be on a Ducati. Now, in all, in all seriousness, there's obviously, a, you see, looking GP now and you look at Ducati because they're fast, they're winning races and that, but you look at some of the projects which are going on at the moment and looking at KTM and all the staff they've got behind the scenes kind of thing, that would be an amazing environment to, you know, develop yourself and doing. I think KTM is a pretty good bike to be on and and looking at the, the support they give you, I think that would be pretty cool, but yeah, Ducati. Yeah, okay. You just want to win um... now. <laughs> um, and... Finally, this year's most GP World Championship. Who wins? Oh, you can't say that. Okay, BSB champion. Who wins? <laughs> <laughs> That's as hard. That's as hard. That's as hard. Oh my! Pretty close. All, all, all the championships right now are so close. Yeah. You name one championship: BSB, maybe not Worlds. But yeah, I was just trying to say, uh, I think we already know oh. who's winning World Superbike. Can I say World Superbikes? Um, no, <laughs> okay, GP. Sam, I don't even know. I mean, no. I know who I'd put my money on in Moodle GP, but I would you say I would put my money on Peckle Bangaya, but it's safer, really... isn't it? I feel like that's safe. 
Is that yeah, it is safe. But I feel like if either Brad Bender, Marco Bezzecki, or Jorge Martin, if any of them can get a run of form, they they can easily win it. Yeah. Should I copy you? I'd love <laughs> I'd love Jorge Martin to win it. Yeah. I know it's get the Spanish flag back up, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pekka's gonna win it, Pekka's gonna win it. Oh no, no, Bezeki's gonna win it, Bez- mm, I don't know. <laughs> Should we just put you down for unsure? <laughs> I'll, go for like, I'll go for like those four or five. Yeah. A quarter be, of the grid. Yeah. You'd be better saying who's not going to win it, in fairness. Who's not going to win it? Who is not going to win it? Let's say who's not going to win it. Fabio Cattararo, Frankie Morbidelli, <laughs> hey, any Honda on, rider. On. Yeah, okay. Maybe. Any Honda. And maybe like Savadori for his cheeky wildcard, but you know. Danny Rodosa to win. <laughs> okay, what about BSB then? I didn't even think about BSB until they're not. Oh, damn. BSB, I'd love, like, I don't know, Tommy Bridewell to win it. Yeah. Um, so many amazing riders at the top kind of thing. I think if I could pick anyone, I'd love Leon Haslam. Um, oh, there's yeah. so many guys at the top right now who are doing incredible kind of thing. But yeah, Tommy would be pretty cool to win it. Yeah. Do you reckon anyone's gonna like sneak in in the last three rounds or? I don't know. With a new mean, format, it's so tight at the top. Um, I mean, I think yeah, Tommy, Glenn, all of those. They're going to carry on pushing the top kind of thing. But yeah, I think that's a pretty open championship right now. Yeah. Fair we'll see. And you know what's so exciting is that, you know, riders in every class, BSB, from, from I don't know, I was going to go down to fab racing, but I don't know too much. But like, looking from like the talent cup to most GP, the standards has improved so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so in a lot of the championships, there's a handful of guys who can win it kind of thing and it's making it more exciting for us but it's making it pretty scary for those guys and film a you know they're on the limit all the time but I think looking in the future of like watching motorsport and the entertainment side it's getting getting more exciting and hopefully we can carry on as this season's gone yeah definitely just need to get a couple more people watching it I think and mm, we've got definitely. it got it sorted but yeah I think that is all of our questions will not bother you into asking nearly every single uh grid who we think is going to win the championship we could go on but do you normally ask like I don't know 20 questions and they will just like answer one word and I've just got on for like no no um Matt Dunn kept us for two hours when we spoke to him uh and our quick fire questions I think took like 45 minutes so oh wow don't worry okay. That's all right. That's all right. I explain them as quick fire questions every time, and then they turn into a discussion every time. So quick fire questions with a five minute discussion after each one. <laughs> Maybe we could say like next time, like you got to answer straight away, or like one word answers. You can't. You can't yeah. talk. But then that's the problem that someone has said something, and then one of us will be like, "Oh, why'd you say that?" And then we get down a rabbit. As soon as you say. As soon as you say straight away, they'll just be stuck for words. Yeah. So can I can I ask you guys a question before yeah. we go? 
Yeah. BS, BSB Championship then. Same one. Who are you going for? Glenn. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Arvin? Oh, Tommy. You? Mm. Well, that's, my that's my I Northern had Irish bias. That's my Northern Irish I had him bias. down since the start of the season. I didn't predict anything at the start of the season, but I, I can't not Wait, say Glenn. So. Okay, another one, another one, another one. Okay. Super Sport Championship, British Super Sport Championship. I don't know if you guys stay involved with every race, Ooh. but um, so I work for Reese Irwin. Yeah. There's one answer. You guys can think about it for a little, little while. I don't know that much of it. I don't know who else is in Super <laughs> So there's like... I'll mention one name and I'll just forget like the whole roast of others. That's the problem. I'm scared that I would miss someone. I think you should just go for Reese Owen. It'll be pretty safe. Yeah, we'll, we'll just go for Reese Yeah, I mean, I'm happy yeah. to go with Reese Again, Irish bias. I'm happy to go with any any of that sort of bias. Awesome. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Tell Reese we're supporting him. He's going to just shove this on all of his socials now. and Love it. Love and it. to be fair, when we were at Donington Park uh, for the World Super Bikes, we did um, cheer Reese on, in fairness, in, mm. in his debut in the, in the class. So. Definitely. That was pretty crazy as well. We got a, got a point in the end. So Exactly. On me up. Exactly. All in all, very good weekend. Um, but yeah, I think, any more questions for us? Or are we, are we done with the questions? Oh, more questions for me to fire at you guys? Why don't <laughs> I do like a quick five questions? No, no, no. <laughs> Oh, you... I mean, the mic doesn't get turned on us very much. So when anyone does, we're like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean?" Okay, okay, okay. No, I feel you. Let me let me think of a question. <laughs> Could work whatever paddock in the future is your full time job. It doesn't. Your money will be the same. Your income will be the same. What paddock would you want to work in? I always say that MotoGP is the the end goal or like the dream goal. But to be honest, now that I've been in BSB and World Superbikes, I mean, BSB is just like a family vibe. Like you can just talk to anyone and everyone. Not and everyone, like, not everyone. Well, not everyone, but I don't know. The last time I was there, it was just really chilling. When you know a couple of riders, you know, you can just go sit and chat and the action's good on track but I suppose work-wise no I have to say MotoGP because that's the that's the dream that's the always been the end goal you say income's the same yeah I would go for the roads yes oh of course you would I never even thought of that of course you would (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. both have roads whole other podcast yeah Cardi what do you think Anywhere. Just happy to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. The dream. Yeah. That works. Good stuff. Bro. I want to get to the Isle of Man TT next year, definitely. I need mm. to get over. Um, God, it's so exciting, isn't it? Just, I'm trying to work out. I'm gonna try. I'm trying to work out how I can like dip away from uni to to get there. <laughs> Will you not be done by then? No. No, it's it's in it's in June. My 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 year goes on to like mid July. Oh, we'll find rough. a way. Really, really rough. I always finished in like May every year, so 
unlucky to have to sort that out. But yeah, you'll see us at the TT next year anyway. Sorted. We'll all go together. Awesome Perfect. Stuff. Give a whole give a whole gang there. Yeah. A whole plane of people. Yeah. A boat. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Private Sounds- jet. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I'm going to wrap this podcast episode up here. A massive thank you to Jamie to for coming on to the podcast and chatting to us about absolutely everything and giving us a bit more of an insight into sort of photography and social media. Um, because we've never really spoken to anyone with that sort of role before, even though we do a lot of stuff in social media and content creation so can't believe we haven't chatted sooner but yes massive thank you to jamie if people want to find you on social media where where can people go and and find you and and look at your stuff yeah so a lot of my handles my work handles jamie hollis media so just put them out there and i'm on a variety of platforms kind of thing but sure if you just search up jamie hollis i might might pop up here matt Definitely. And if you want to follow us, we are at The Siding Lap. And yeah, that is everything for this week. And we will be back next weekend with the MotoGP Austrian race review. We cannot wait. And have fun at the BSB this weekend, Jamie. Really sad That's that none great. of us are going, but have fun. Take loads of photos. We can't wait to see them. <laughs> That's great stuff. Yeah, I can't wait. But yeah, hopefully see you guys sooner weekend. And yeah, thank you very much for your time. It's been, it's been cool to have a conversation with some some silly people my age and yes good time thank you brilliant thanks very much guys and like i said we'll see you guys next week